Welcome to a ride on the outside. MMA is full of people on the inside, but what about the ones that watch from beyond? Welcome to the MMA Outsiders with Tom Albano and Zan Bando on the Empty the Bench Podcast Network. It's another edition of the MMA Outsiders. That's Zan Bando. I am Tom Albano. As always, Zan, a lot of news that we got to break down. I was entering this week, Zan, originally thinking that we would be talking a lot of in the cage kind of stuff. But the stuff in the cage was kind of either surprising or disappointing. There was no real in-between on that one. But a lot of developments happening outside the cage. Absolutely. And it just goes to show that almost every single week, you don't know what can happen in this crazy sport. In some weeks, you know, you could have a week with a lot of hype and a lot of build and a lot of intrigue, and it just doesn't come to fruition. We're going to talk about why we feel that way in just a little bit and so much more. But before we do, make sure to like and subscribe. Be sure to share um, the MMA Outsiders across social media and the and of course, follow us at MMA Outsiders ETV and be sure to hit the notification bell. That way you don't miss anything related to the MMA Outsiders or anything on the Empty the Bench Podcast Network. Again, for those of you who are new or who are returning, my name is Dan Bando. I am a staff writer at BJPen.com and the newest addition to the MMA Knockout team at Fan Nation. So I'm very excited. I just started with them a couple of days ago, so I'm glad to be a part of yet another other MMA writing team, so that should be really fun. And then, of course, to my left, my longtime co-host, Tom Elman, and I was still kicking it as a contributor with fan-sided MMA and still doing excellent work for the PFL website. Um, Tom, back to your back to your question, as, as or, or back to your statement, rather, as to where, where we originally started this conversation. Yeah, I mean, that's going to happen sometimes in combat sports where you're, you're going to get weeks where you had a lot of anticipation and a lot of you know, just build, build, build up and excitement and 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 intrigue, and it just really didn't feel that way this week. Obviously, with with Bellator 300 um, that took place over the weekend in San Diego, and then UFC Vegas 80, which are arguably was a more entertaining card than its fellow counterpart. But speaking of the UFC, we have to start with the biggest news of the week, which is that Conor McGregor is officially back, or so it appears. He submitted his paperwork to re-enter the USADA testing pool. Finally, we've been yelling into our respective microphones for the last several months, asking ourselves what the hell is going on with the Irishman. It seems like we have some answers now, which could very well set up UFC 300. That's right, UFC 300 projected to take place in April in Las Vegas. The highly anticipated coaches fight, Conor McGregor, Michael Chandler, probably at 170 pounds. Tom, what do you make of this news? Are you... Already counting down the days to a potential UFC 300 pay-per-view. How do you feel about this? I think the word is relief because we've been sitting here, as you said, yelling into the abyss about Conor McGregor and Michael Chandler and like when this fight is going to happen. And I think that kind of something we've alluded to in previous weeks and that UFC 300, April 2024, when you just spent a whole summer with tough and now this fight's not going to take place until April when it's about a month or two away from the one year anniversary to the start of that tough season, I think is a little ridiculous at the same time. 
it kind of makes sense that UFC 300, you know, you're going to want a big star like a Conor McGregor as part of it. Then I think I've de- I've developed a little theory here as to what maybe had happened because okay. we did see because we did see a social media post um, from Connor before these events. Um, I mean, before these news stories about him with the paperwork uh, went out. Connor did post uh, to social media. I think it was to Instagram first, saying that he had submitted whatever he needed to submitted to uh, Jeff Nowitzki, aka the Golden Snitch, uh, about re-entering the USADA testing pool. So I was a little skeptical on that end, and then seeing all these reports that he really has submitted paperwork. Dana White confirming he has submitted the paperwork. He could re-enter the pool some point this week. My theory, Zan, is they were trying to get the USADA exemption. And I think Dana and Connor and company realize now that if they haven't been able to get the USADA exemption, then it needed to happen this week. So that way, either April 13th or April 20th, when we were discussing potential UFC 300 dates, Connor could get into the Cajun fight. I think they've realized that basically their time is up. And so Connor's just going to have to go through the six months like everybody else. Yeah. And from a business perspective, it sucks because, you know, we were anticipating UFC 296, the end of the year, like this is going to be the perfect bookend year to a pay-per-view schedule that I don't know about you, Tom, but this has been one of the single best years of just, unbelievable pay-per-view main events that we've ever seen, and this would have topped it. I think now, even though we've waited as long as we have for Conor McGregor to return, I think it's going to make UFC 300 that much bigger. And once the card is officially announced, once the UFC decides to share the official poster, which I expect nothing less than just a um, a masterful creation, whenever that decides to release, um, once that gets revealed, I think the countdown is really going to start, and I think people are going to get really excited because if you have Conor McGregor at the top of UFC 300, just imagine what a potential pay-per-view could look like, not just in terms of title fights, but high-level top 10 and top 5 contender fights that we've been waiting to see for over a year and for, for some of them, I would assume, two years. So I think even though we've been pretty pissed the last few months that we haven't gotten clarity on this. I think uh, I think the stars could be potentially aligning to where UFC 300 is, you know, going to live up to the hype as the UFC is hoping it will. You just hope and pray to the MMA gods if they do somehow exist that that Conor McGregor potentially headlining UFC 300 does not come back to bite the UFC in the ass because we remember what happened at UFC 200 and then eventually – and I'm sure you'd probably um, uh, um, agree and, and confer with this, that UFC 202 was simply better than UFC 200 because you had mm-hmm. on it. So hopefully the UFC doesn't get into a situation where UFC 300 does not have Conor McGregor on it and he put him on like UFC 301 or 302 and then ends up UFC 300 in the long run. We obviously don't know that, but... It's just hope the UFC strategically plays their cards right because, as we alluded to before, it would be a waste of an ultimate fighter season if this fight doesn't ultimately materialize. And, I, I, and also, to, add, to add one more thing, to hear Dana White say last week at the post-fight presser 
for Dana White contender series in in quotes. We'll see. We'll, we'll see. We'll see where he lands. What, what is that? What, what, what does that mean? Is 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 he fighting Michael Chandler? Or is he or is he not? That's my that's my question. You can't you you can't frame it that way unless you know um, unless you know something that 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 somebody else doesn't. That's my that's my reason that I could be I could be wrong. But when I heard that, I was very 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 confused. I mean, they have had the teases of that. You know, maybe Michael Chandler will not be the opponent. And we have had the teases of when Connor was doing that big comeback and he was getting interviewed during the, I think it was the Ashley Joshua fights. And we did talk about, he has a plan. He has Chandler, he has Gagey BMF title, and he has the Nate Diaz trilogy fight. But in my opinion, as we kind of alluded to, it would be an absolute waste of a tough season if we did not get McGregor and Chandler in that cage at some point uh, and at some point soon. It should have been this year, like you said, but I guess UFC 300 is the next best thing. But if it's not going to be UFC 300 and it's not going to be Michael Chandler, then I don't know what it's going to be. I mean, are they hoping that Islam Makachev uh, de- uh, defeats Charles Oliveira next week and then they try to do uh, Islam Makachev versus Conor McGregor for the lightweight title at UFC 300? It, that just That fight would not make any sense to me. Other than he's Khabib's student. No, it wouldn't. But what it would do was it would create similar buzz and intrigue to what UFC 229 did, which would make, I'm almost darn sure positive, it would make the build-up just as dark, if not darker, than when Khabib fought Conor. Actually, Zan, just passed the five-year anniversary of UFC 229. That's true. So, I mean, I get it from, I guess, that sense, and that's maybe what Dana is looking at and why he's saying we'll see. But I would feel bad for Chandler then, not just for the fact that he'd be out of a money fight, a fight where he would be guaranteed to make, you know, the, the it would probably be at least a million pay-per-view buys, but also in the fact that right now he's in limbo. If, if this Conor fight doesn't go, I mean, the whole division is not holding up. You know, Oliveira and... uh Olivera Makachev are going to fight for the title next week. You had Gaethje and Poye fighting a couple of months ago. The division, uh, you have Fiziev and Gamrot, who just fighting. Gamrot's going to be the uh, fill-in, potentially, for if some if something happens with the Makachev and Olivera fight. The division's going on, and right now, he's just waiting. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm almost worried in the sense that if Chandler doesn't get this fight and he's stuck in such a limbo, he might have to consider other options, either in combat sports or consider semi-retiring, because it seems like that's the direction that the UFC is trying to push unless they give him this fight. Because who, who else realistically could he fight that isn't already of a fight or 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 that or that he hasn't already fought? There's very few options. That's what yeah. The, that's what I'm trying to allude to. Yeah. I know that, that there's not a lot of options for him as of this moment. Plus, I believe he is. I mean, you have to really consider that. Obviously, he's not going to get the next title shot. And I mean, that loss to Poirier back at the last Madison Square Garden show basically took him out of a, you know, 
that he still needs a couple of fights in order to get to uh, somebody like Islam Makashev. So I really, uh, this is a concern for me in terms of like, this is a concern for me. And it goes to what I said before, Zan, on the other end, if Conor McGregor does not come back for UFC 300 after all this time, then why are we going to continue to hold our breath and wait for him? Yeah, I was saying he's lost uh, with Chandler. He's lost three of his last four fights. I needed to double check and make sure I had the uh, I had the numbers right. The only win he has in that span is Tony Ferguson, that brutal front kick knockout. And yeah, and you know my feelings about Tony Ferguson at this point, Stan. You know, regardless of the interview that he did Ariel, where he recognizes the state at where he's at, which I praise. I still think it's irresponsible the UFC to continue to push him out there. And Michael Chandler, like you said, the Conor McGregor right now is the biggest fight for him. And if that doesn't come to fruition, then I feel bad for Chandler. He would be in a no-win situation. And McGregor, look, I get he's the money draw, but like I said, if he's not coming back, like I said last week, if he's not coming back for UFC 300, what's the point in trying to bring him back at all? For sure. So if you were to guess right now, and you were to play matchmaker, do you think UFC 300 is going to be McGregor versus Chandler, or do you think the UFC goes in a different direction? As of right now, I'm going to say it has to be McGregor and Chandler. Not for the fact that I think UFC 300 would be bad without Conor McGregor. If you remember, Zan, when we were criticizing UFC 290 for not having McGregor Chandler or not having um, John Jones versus Stipe Miocic, Rather, right. and that ends up being one of the greatest cards in UFC history, right? So, so I feel like UFC 300, it's not going to live or die because of McGregor or Chandler. But this whole McGregor Chandler saga and this whole saga of McGregor trying to make a return from when he broke his leg in the third fight with Dustin Poirier, I, I, that's where it's going to live and die 100%. So, I guess. Uh, I guess my final my final follow up thought is this: um, it, you know, if you're if if you're the UFC at this point, you're you're just hoping and praying that Q1 of 2024 goes the way you hope it will, based on the schedule you have already built. Because if you don't have Conor McGregor on UFC 300, you need to really strategically think about, okay, what would be the biggest selling point if we don't have the biggest star the sport has ever seen that's all that's all i can really say the, the, the these next few months are going to be very telling to see what the ufc actually is with this fight and if they even pursue this fight at all it'll be very interesting but i'm with you i do think um mcgregor versus chandler it has to be on ufc 300 and if it is on ufc 300 it has to happen at some point in 2024 because if it doesn't then it'll never happen so and then and when you were talking about UFC 300 and alternate uh alternate other fights that they could book around it, that's also not taken into consideration when uh, about was it 32 32 days from today when John Jones and Steve Miocic enter Madison Square Garden for their heavyweight title fight, it could be the last time that we see one of those two, if not both of those guys, you know, in a UFC octagon. So I'm just thinking of like potential other headlines, you know. You got to make dates work at this point. But my, the only other name that I could think for UFC 300, and again, you think about dates and you think about, you know, the time frame of potential title fights, and he may need one before UFC 300. But you got to think at this point, if, 
if, if, if there's no Connor and there's no John Jones, Sean O'Malley headlining UFC 300. Yeah, Sean O'Malley headlining UFC 300, or quite frankly, the UFC could throw a curveball and do uh, and do Adesanya Strickland too, as the yeah, considering Strickland's ties to Extreme Couture and Las Vegas, and him being the champion, I think there would be a lot of Israel Adesanya fans that would try have a win to Vegas just to see that fight. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. That's another alternative option. If you will, or or if you want, you could do you could do the super fight. You who could realistically make a Volk Islam rematch for UFC 300. If, if Volk, we assume that the fight's going to go through. But if Volk gets through Ilya Taporia, that fight could potentially make sense as well. You'd have to figure out what you do from an Abu Dhabi perspective. More than likely UFC 304 or 305, but that's another that's another potential option too, right? And for those who are not aware, uh, Ilya Tapuria went on some television show supposedly and said that he and Alexander Volkanovsky have verbally agreed to a featherweight title fight that would headline UFC 297, which would be the first uh, title fight in the first UFC pay per view of 2024, uh, targeted for January 20th. Uh, to TBD on where that fight would take place. I think we were thinking Toronto originally. Mm-hmm. So just just being aware, just throwing it out there. So if you you know if you missed it, like as we say, in case you missed it, that's what's going on supposedly. One hundred percent. All right, let's move over now to the boxing world, Zan. We're going to do a little update to this Furiousic uh, story from last week. Now nothing. Bad, bad in that, you know, oh, the report is that, you know, they had a disagreement or the money was something and and it, it's off. It's still on, supposedly. No update to the date yet. We don't know if it's December 23rd. We don't know if it's one of the weekend days in January. Um, but we talked about the potential, Zan, of a rematch clause. And surprise, surprise, not really a surprise. There is a two-way rematch clause. So whoever loses this fight especially if it's Usyk who drops three championships and a loss, uh, can activate a rematch. However, the IBF is stepping forward. Now, Zan, we have talked about the IBF, and I have praised the IBF for their no-nonsense taking, uh, I guess would be the best word for it, when it comes to their championships. And they're saying that, they are mandating a mandatory title defense for the winner. Here's where the issue lies in. No exception for a rematch. So even if the loser, Fury Usyk, activates the title rematch, I mean, activates the title rematch, if the winner of Fury Usyk one goes with the rematch, they will be stripped of the IBF heavyweight championship. Now, Zan, this calls for this great banner. And the reason I am going to bring up this great banner here, Zan, that we bring out every week, even though this fight is not, even though this fight is not uh, dissolved and this fight is still happening. And, you know, like I said, I've praised the IBF for this. But if you think back, Zan, uh, Vladimir, uh, Vladimir Klitschko versus Tyson Fury, when Tyson Fury in 2015, it was November of 2015, pulled off the unbelievable upset 
won the three heavyweight championships that Vladimir Klitschko held. The his reign with those three belts, Sam, lasted a whole ten days because the yep. IBF said, "Oh, you have to fight our mandatory challenger." Fury said, "No, I'm." You know, Vladimir Klitschko activated the rematch clause, and Fury was going to grant it. Obviously, that never happened due to Tyson Fury's personal issues outside of the ring. But right. the IBF said, "Okay, no, we're just taking it away." So that's where I have the problem, Sam. Is you know, I respect the IBF and their. You know, they have zero tolerance for BS, but I feel like an undisputed heavyweight championship, which we talked about, Sam, we haven't seen for about 20 years, that that does not fall under BS, my part. Oh, for sure. And I just feel like it's a blow to boxing because even though you have the two best heavyweights in the world, why would you not want to have all the marbles at stake? To, to, to me, it just it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And by the way, you mentioned Fury Klitschko, which is a classic heavyweight title fight. That's the fight that introduced me, considering that I'm like a newer boxing fan. That that's the fight that introduced me to heavyweight championship boxing. So that just goes to tell you how long I followed Tyson Fury in his career. It's pretty crazy, easy to think about from a holistic perspective. So that's nuts. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I feel like, like I said before, the undisputed heavyweight championship you know that does not fall under bs and stan you followed some of the lighter weight classes more than i do but i don't really recall you know the ibf being like this when it comes to other championships no you don't see it in the lighter weight classes and i honestly don't know the reason for it um maybe it's because the fighters are more um are more uh, complacent and are more understanding to what the IBF wants, but you are correct in your assessment in saying that no, it does not happen far too often in the lighter weight classes, which might actually be a good thing because now you're seeing some of these bigger fights, you know, like Tank and Ryan Garcia and like Spence and Crawford, and even quite frankly, Devin Haney and Vasily Lomachenko, fights that maybe wouldn't have happened five or six years ago because of what the IBF is doing is now happening because now the promoters are able to, you know, uh, lighten up and be a little bit more accommodating when it comes to, you know, crossover fights and that sort of nature. So you you are correct in saying that it does not happen for too often when you're lower than 265. So the assumption would be that the mandatory challenger in this kind of situation would be Philip Hergovic. And actually a couple of days ago, Eddie Hearn uh, told uh, Boxing Media, I think this was reported, okay, but at least the tweet that I have, or should I say the X that I have, it comes from, uh, comes from Michael, one Michael Benson, who says that Eddie Hearn has suggested that if the Fury-Usyk rematch happens and, an IBF, and the IBF Heavyweight Championship is vacated, Anthony Joshua could steer away from a potential winter bout with Deontay Wilder. We have talked about that, the plan for Fury and Wilder to finally take place in Saudi Arabia at some point this winter. If the IBF title is vacated, supposedly Joshua may steer away from that fight and potentially fight Hergovic for a vacant IBF heavyweight championship. Wait, Tom, do you mean Fury Wilder or Wilder Joshua? I, I apologize, uh, Joshua Wilder. Okay, okay. Well, I, I'm going to ask you, what would you what would you rather see? Would you rather see Philip Pergovic or would you 
either see what is what is supposed to occur. Because to be quite honest, I like Philip Rogovic, but can he really capture the casual fan? I don't know. I don't know if he that's, can. And that's my problem. And that's my problem is that Philip Rogovic, who is massively talented, has great power, but he is not a draw yet. You know, we talk about Joshua and Wilder being past their prime a little bit, but they are draws. Fury is a draw. Zan, did I not last week? You tested me to showcase, you know, how could I market Usyk about how Usyk can be a draw. And I, I dare say that an undefeated versus undefeated heavyweight championship fight and then whatever happens afterward, you know, whatever Fury or Usyk loses, trying to avenge, you know, their one loss against the mm-hmm. other. That writes itself. That sells itself. Philip Her- Hergovic has not gotten to that point yet. Nope. That's- that's right. Yes, and until he fights one of those four guys that we just mentioned, it's going to be a while before he's known to the casual boxing audience as someone who is a can't-miss, must-see TV kind of fighter. So, Absolutely. So what I will do, Zan... And what, I, will... what I do think, though, unfortunately, from Hergovic's perspective, and I'm sure you would agree with this, it would be very similar to when Amanda Nunes fought Ronda Rousey and all, all the promotion went to Ronda Rousey because she was the bigger superstar. I guarantee you, if one of those four names fights her, oh, one, one of the four names that we've just mentioned in this five-minute segment, I guarantee you, Orgovic will get none of the shine simply because that's how the boxing game works, unfortunately. Yeah, and then his, his two most recent opponents, uh, Orgovic, are his best fights, and that's Zelay Zhang and, De- and Dempsey McKean, which... You know, those are talented fighters, but they're not, you know, not a Joe Joyce or a Daniel Dubois even. Right. And you could argue McKean was the more high octane fight. Would you not? Would you not agree with that? Correct. Correct. That was the octane fight. I mean, the high octane fight. But McKean, you know, if we're to if we're thinking about I know ESPN always used to have the graphic of the champions, the top challengers, and then the prospects that are up and coming. And that's where you would see, you know, when the, when the, I remember seeing these graphics, the Joe Joyce's and the Daniel Dubois and such, you know, McKean is not even on the, on the Joyce and, and uh, Dubois level. No, he isn't. So, you're expecting Hergovich off of that to go and fight Alexander Usyk or potentially Tyson Fury for a heavyweight championship or even a anti-Joshua anti vacant title fight. That, that smells like trouble. The only reason, San, I could see that being somewhat good is if Joshua wins and then you set up a trilogy fight between a Joshua Nusik for an undisputed heavyweight title or a long-awaited, I'll be, as we typically say with these boxing, you know, big boxing fights, years past when that should have happened, Joshua versus Fury fight. But Tom, who wants to see Joshua versus Usyk again? I don't, but I'm saying the potential is there. I know, I know. And of course, because that's what they're going to do, they're going to put it in the UK. They're going to try to give Anthony Joshua the home field advantage. And simply because Usyk is the better boxer, he'll probably end up outboxing Anthony Joshua again, just like he just like he did in the past. And it'll 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 probably be just one of those wasted fights where we're going to have to play the circus game all over again. It's, 
gonna be it's gonna be the, it's gonna, it's gonna it's gonna be the same thing over and over and over again. And oh, it's, and and it's almost like these federations listen to our show because they do exactly the opposite of everything that we say every single week. So, oh, then did you say circus? I did. I feel like the circus music that we have on ETV and uh, Football Friday deserves to be here for this. Oxen gets it its own way. And actually, sure. you know what? In, res- in respect to you, because you have now joined us on Football Friday, here you go. Broncos country, let's ride. Boxing country, let's ride. Yeah, no kidding. Hilarious. Now wait, uh, Tom, and re- realistically though, given that this is a possibility, what 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 do you actually think really happens with the division? Because right now, given what the IBF has has claimed and what they're what they're trying to do, it seems like the heavyweight division went from being clear cut, we know who's going to fight who, to complete chaos in a matter of a couple of days. This is why, Zan, I well, Zan, this is why I threw that question out there last week of like, am I right to actually have hope? And the answer right now, based on what the IBF just did, is no. No, no. <laughs> so that means all of the fights that we're looking forward to at the end of the year when it comes to the when it comes to the to the boxing portion of combat sports, you kind of have to hold your breath because if you don't, one day you can wake up and find out that one of those fights you were looking forward to was one hundred percent. And canceled for no for no reason or another, except a contract dispute or one of the, these federations ruining the fight. This this is why so many people are leaving the sport and refusing to follow it because the fight the best don't fight the best, and they're supposed to. Unlike MMA, and yeah, MMA gets a ton of uh, a ton of flack for it too. But it, at the at the very least, you don't see, you don't see the UFC coming out and saying, "Oh, we need a." We, we need a mandatory challenger for the UFC middleweight title because of this, this, and this. You don't see that in MMA. You see it in boxing for whatever reason. And I think that's why it's set the sport back so many years because they they simply can't listen to the consumer. And speaking of consumerism, we're going to talk about the direction that boxing is going in just a second. But this story is crazier than I think people might even realize. Yeah, no, it's all politics, politics, and politics. And, and Sam, the other thing, there is actually one goodish thing that it does set up. But Sam, I think this is once again that nuclear button of, in, in worst case of scenario, we hit this button. Do you think this is also out there potentially because of Sam that little? You know, I threw the grenade last week, and so did Ariel Hawani, and I'll do it again. They're putting a backup plan in just in case Francis Ngannou somehow wins against Tyson Fury. Yeah, unfortunately, and I mean, if yes, you because, saw... I'm oh, sorry, you were explaining, because I was going to say, because think about it, if you're Usyk and Ngannou somehow pulls out the biggest upset ever, and beats Tyson Fury, this fight is kind of damaged. And then you're going to say, okay, I'll just defend my title against Turgovich. Okay, well, I'm not even going to ask the question I was going to ask. Wait, did you just say that Francis Ngannou knocking out Tyson Fury would be the biggest upset ever? So are you trying to tell me that 
It would be bigger than Buster Douglas knocking out Mike Tyson. Is okay, that not that crazy? far. Not that far. Oh, okay, okay. Not that far. I'm, I'm, over, I'm over-exaggerating. I want to make a point here that if Usyk watches Tyson Fury get beat by Francis Ngannou, is he going to basically turn around and not want this fight and instead get a mandatory challenger out of the way? It's a good point. And Tom... Uh, to make your blood boil a little bit more. I just looked the other day and it doesn't seem like tickets are officially on sale just yet, which is really unfortunate because we only have three weeks until the fight. <laughs> Wait. For Fury versus Nganu? It's correct. <laughs> because Why? They because they didn't have a venue until like two days ago. <laughs> Hold on. I mean, are they trying to, are they trying to, no disrespect to my guys, but are they trying to PFL this where it's a made-for-TV broadcast and emphasizing the television or pay-per-view portion of it and not the live attendance? It could, it could very, it could very well be that. I mean, I mean I, and I say that granted and with grain of salt because as far as I know, the only PFLness that's part of this fight is just Francis Ngannou. I, right. I, as far as I was concerned, the production, the pay per viewing, and everything that would be Tyson top Fury rank. and his promoters, right? And top rank, and right. uh, and um, who's the who's the other co promoter? Isn't it Frank like Warren. Uh, Frank Warren? Frank Warren, right? Mm-hmm. That's what I thought it was going to be Warren and uh, and top rank and ESPN Plus and all of them, not PFL. Granted, PFL was part of ESPN, right? Yeah, I just saw the. The other day, because I was curious to know, like, what ticket prices were, and I could not find a definitive number. So I honestly don't know what's going on. All I know is that it's 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 taking place in Saudi Arabia, and it's taking place at some sort of stadium that no one's ever heard of, and that's all. That's all I. That's all I know. And I and I feel like it'll be it'll be situations where it'll feel like Fight Island for the. We're the only people that will actually be physically in attendance, or people that actually live in the country. <laughs> Unfortunately, all right. Let's get course, to another. And and of course, they're they're going to be they're they're going to be charging eighty five bucks back stateside because of work because of, because of course they are. So all right. So actually, you know what? I'm going to change plans. Let's not go into one of the other promoters and uh, cable channels we'll be talking about. Let's stick with ESPN. And, you know, since they we just brought them up in conversation, let's talk about this right now. ESPN Plus. So we talked about, we've talked about, San, about ESPN Plus raising its prices. We even had a little exclusive because of some, well, unintentional, unintentional digging that you did. From and now own, it is yeah. official. We've talked about it. ESPN Plus is going to increase uh, its pricing to the most it's ever been. I think it's $109.99 per year, so about $110 per year. And I think if you're paying by the month, it's $11 or $10.99 per month. $10.99. Yeah, so that will go into effect next month, November 10th, one month from today. And, San, the low blow to all of it is that one month from today marks the – it would be one day shy of UFC 295, where we're going to have the big John Jones, Steve Miocic heavyweight title fight, and then co-main eventing the vacant light heavyweight title fight between Yuri and Pereira. 
Yeah, I mean, full disclosure, you and I are both ESPN Plus subscribers, and we both religiously use the service because we have to for our combat sports needs. And right. to the American public, to me, this is just a slap in the face. Now you're asking people to pay $110 per year for, quite frankly, a ton of combat sports, select college basketball, and select college football for content that you may only watch 20% of. To to me, this is just a loss for everyone involved. Now you're asking people to not only pay up front 110 bucks a year, but then you got to pay on top of that 85 bucks to is to watch uh, UFC 295 and every UFC pay per view after that. It's like, when is this saga going to end? And, and it feels like it never does. And it's I don't feel like it's ever going to. And Zan, heaven forbid, I fear what well we fear what we fear is going to happen come that UFC 296 or UFC 297 card, you know, end of this year, start of next, where they choose to raise the pay-per-view prices again to $85. And Zan, I've talked about this, you know, I get it. And we'll talk about it next when it comes to another uh, service provider. Everything is turning to the streaming. I, I get it. But, you know, it feels like, it feels like everyone is just trying to reinvent the wheel. And, and, and you know, they're talking about, oh, the good thing about streaming is it's all a la carte. It's just what I want. But when no, you're, looking, but when no, you're no. looking at the pricing of everything, it's like you're going to be paying just as much as you did with cable for, for whatever, you know, you're going to get. Plus all the pay-per-views on top of that. I mean, Sam, I, I have said it before on this show. I've said it before on ETB, and I'll say it again, you know, laugh at me and laugh at everybody all you want for promoting, uh, in this case, Peacock, but before they integrated with Peacock, the WWE Network, but Vince McMahon and company got it right, where you should not be charging a premium for, you know, the service. It should be whatever the service price is, and then maybe a small premium, if any, or you just make it a, the the base price, subscription price, a little more, but then, you know, your customers are not paying extra for, in the WWE's case, the premium live events, or in this case with the UFC, the pay-per-views and such. Right, and you go back to your great point about a la carte. Tom, if it's a la carte, if I'm an ESPN Plus subscriber and I just want to watch combat sports, why can't I buy a singular package where it's just combat sports on ESPN Plus and that's all, and that's all I get. Because if it was up to me, and I could have my own TV viewing experience, I would only watch thirty channels. To be honest with you, and maybe two streaming services, and that's it. If it was up, if it was up, if it was up to me. And it's ridiculous. And you consider the economic times that we live in, Zan. I don't want to get into politics or economics on this show, but and I've talked about this before. I've talked about it with UFC 295, in fact, at Madison Square Garden with the ticket prices. You are you are hurting. I know I know Nick Borgeson likes to talk about me as like, you know, you're damaging, you know, media with how much they gotta pay. I just think, Sam, it's not just me. It the customers. You are damaging the middle class and poor customers who are trying to get into the combat sports experience, let alone just the sports experience, period. It's like you know, I, I can't think of the, I guess it would be financial gatekeeping, essentially, 
Well, no, and you're also hurting the people too, not not just the middle class and poor people, but you're hurting the people that work all week because they're excited to save their money to buy a fight or to buy another event where that's going to be their biggest expense of the entire week. And oh, they have to essentially budget for it and they can't do what they used to do. And that's unfortunate, but I guess on the positive side of things, and yeah, there actually shockingly is a positive, and I'm going to tell you what it is. The positive is, is, is the, is the bar business. Now, when you look at bars, they don't have to pay for streaming services. They can literally just pay for direct TV for business, bring everybody in without a cover charge and air the it's that way because they have direct TV and they don't need that second middleman by getting four different streaming services to stream sports that they can just get it directly through their boxes because of their business deal. So actually, even though the prices are going up, it could actually help the movie theater business and the bar business as if people want to try to get out of their houses to, wa- to watch these events. I, I will definitely agree on that, Sam, and I hope that maybe, you know, at some point in 2024, when inevitably all the prices jack up, you know, I will do the bar or restaurant or the, I guess in my case, because I have it one near me, the Buffalo Wild Wings kind of experience of watching, you know, stuff there. But like, which is know, fun. But right. I, I've, done, I've done it on several occasions, and it's definitely a different experience watching fights with people you've never met before the, those four hours. You have a common ground and you like what's on the TV. It's definitely, it's definitely a very different experience. It definitely is. It would just be a matter of, you know, some things, you know, that I would do would have to change. Like, you know, I wouldn't be able to really do fight recaps because I'd have to, you know, go somewhere else to watch the fights and not, you know, have potentially have the Internet service and such. And right. Zan, there was also the idea of, you know, if I'm not going to go out, then there are just some things that are going to have to be cut. I'll be I'll be quite clear. I wasn't excited for it already, but like this weekend's fun pay-per-view with Paul and Dan as KSI Fury. I mean, I'm not interested in anyway, but just the 50 or $55 price tag on top of that. I've said so, and I've warned that some things are going to get cut and that's going to be one I'm not going to purchase because I need to, you know, make a little more responsible purchases, especially when we have 294 next week. We're going to have 295 like you said, the day after the ESPN price increase. Plus, you got Fury and uh, you got Fury and Nganu coming up. Yeah, which is literally a, almost almost a week um, a week after UFC 294. What I was going to say to conclude that is, I think it's hilarious, in my opinion, that just known they've had their problems this year. Oh, Zen, Zen. If I'm gonna start, sorry, but if I'm going to start canceling subscriptions and I have to start making drastic, the zone's going to be the first to go. Oh, for sure, for sure. And I, I think I made, I think I've been very transparent on the show. I, I canceled it, um, uh, back in April when there were all, all those issues with, uh, with Garcia and David. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not dealing with this. But anyway, what, what I was going to say was, I think it's hilarious that in the, in the United States. ESPN Plus and his own customers are getting priced out. But if you go across the pond to the UK and Ireland, they're getting everything included with the subscription overseas. It's unbelievable. Maybe it has something to do with how we are here in America, but I just I, I just don't know. It's, it's ridiculous. And Zan, this is why you're seeing everybody turn to VPNs. 
Oh, it's just another heads up. You're not going to believe this in the country of Georgia. You won't, you won't believe this one for $40 a year. They get every single UFC event, fight night, pay-per-view, everything with uh, commercials, $40, one, one, one flat rate for the entire year, every single UFC event. <sighs> if only we could have nicer things, Tom. If only we could have nicer things. Unfortunately, Zan. Unfortunately, we can't. And speaking of streaming services, the other major combat sport boxing is going to be go- is going to be undergoing a bit of a change too. So, in case you guys didn't know, there's been this whole war between Dana White and Stephen Espinosa again. It has now come out that Showtime is not going to be renewing its premier boxing champions contract next year, and it looks like Amazon Prime is in the mix as a potential new home for the PBC and for, for a promotion that I actually have quite a lot of respect for considering the quality of fights um, continues to get better and better for someone who is an Amazon prime uh, member and subscriber full disclosure for myself due to Thursday night football. This is a brilliant move because now everything will be streamlined on Amazon and I get combat sports and I also get football. I think this is a potential win-win for everybody involved at Amazon. Uh, Tom, considering that I only watch Showtime for combat sports and considering that Showtime is more than likely going to be going away uh, from Bellator once Bellator is eventually sold and it looks like they're going to be going away from boxing altogether. What do you think of this move? I think this is a brilliant move. I think this is a move that has needed to happen for quite a bit. And we were talking off the air um, holistically and logistically uh, this is the only home for Premier Boxing Champions that makes sense, considering that top rank is ESPN and match room, of course, is the zone. So, Tom, what do you think? Yeah, so I guess in the streaming game kind of makes sense. And I know we were talking, Zan, about, you know, good and bad to everything. But it's just really, as you said in our pre-show discussion, the nature of everything. Everything is going to streaming. So I do feel bad for those long, you know, boxing followers who – you know, have been watching things like HBO and Showtime for a while and now have to adjust to the more, even more to the streaming age because, unfortunately, older audiences just struggle when it comes to uh, when it comes to technology. But I yeah, it makes sense in terms of streaming home, because, as you said, ESPN Plus and DAZN are already booked with their own boxing. Uh, I, I am an Amazon Prime subscriber, too, so I definitely will uh tune into pbc cards on amazon prime um i think it's just zan what catches my eye more is just think about it zan five years ago we were all aghast we were all jaw dropped that hbo was backing out of the boxing game it was just five years ago where we still were enjoying both hbo and showtime boxing and now showtime is pulling out of it and then as you said once bellator gets you know either it has its merger with the pfl approved or it ends up you know or the merger falls through and it collapses in upon itself if adkins's report is right i think that's what's catching my eye more zan it's the end of an era hbo and showtime boxing were just the you know what in the 80s and the 90s and now it's over yeah, not only is it over, that also means I don't know if you thought it like I don't know if you've thought of it like this either, but that means that boxing will only have one cable home in 
entire U.S. And that'll be top-ranked boxing and ESPN. That's yeah, pretty. That's pretty wild to think about. If you if you would have told me five years ago, oh, that that was a possibility, I don't think I don't think I would have believed it for a second. I would have been. And- I would have been. I'm like, wait, HBO is 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 done with the sport of boxing. I mean, it's nuts, like Zim, but it goes to show, you know, the direction that media has gone in because, I mean, even the UFC since 2019, it's all, it's been all ESPN and plus. Well, that that news got announced in late 2018 as well. So you can actually say uh, since late 2018, everything with combat sports has been streaming purposes. And I guess it's just combat sports going in the direction of what's cool and what's mainstream. Yeah, and even even though we're not really on this topic anymore, it's unfortunate to think that just two and a half years ago, DAZN was trying to be the service that eliminated pay-per-view altogether, and and they quickly realized they had to get back into pay-per-view because they weren't selling enough subscribers. So I think it'll... it'll, it'll And and unfortunately, Zan, that's the model that seems to have won, is the one that we were just complaining about, the subscription price plus the pay-per-view prices. Yeah, and it'll just be interesting to see what promotion, if if any of them, will do what the WWE Network decided to do when they went the Peacock route. I don't know if any MMA promotion will do that. I guess the closest one that you could say that does do that pretty well is one championship, considering that every single event is on Amazon Prime. On Amazon Prime, right. And you don't have to pay the extra arm and a leg to watch whether it's one championship or, or one or one Friday fight nights or whatever they call it these days. My point being that if you're not in the streaming game a little bit, you have to start in order to continue to be a combat sports fan because unfortunately or fortunately, depending on which way you look at it, that's where it's going. So for sure. It's it's unfortunate, but that's as you said, the nature of the beast. Well, well for sure. So do you think then, Tom, that the top rank will have as we move off of ESPN and strictly on to ESPN Plus, is that gonna is that gonna happen? Well, I it depends, Sam. Remember what I told you a couple of weeks ago? There are these reports that ESPN might ditch cable altogether, and the ESPN Plus platform would become ESPN. Or could you see a scenario where ESPN is purchased by Apple, and and you'll see top ranked boxing on Apple? Could you I see don't that? want to. I don't want to imagine those reports coming true. Apple purchasing ESPN. I don't want to imagine that. How come? Because th- that would mean another thing. I would have to subscribe to. Yeah, either another thing, or uh, I guess another Apple TV, or or another Apple device that you would have to purchase. Yeah, and 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 Zen, I am not the biggest fan of. Uh, you know, I've had the free trials where I would watch, you know, uh, the Friday night baseball, like whenever the Yankees were on it and because right. of my local team. And I'm, I'm not a fan of the broadcast style. No, no, the broadcasts aren't good. And I, I guess from that perspective, it would also worry me too. Like would they hire a new broadcasters just for the Apple broadcast or would they bring in the talent that we've all known to love? And I worry that they want to do it because money is going to trump everything, unfortunately. So yeah. we'll see what we'll, we'll see what happens. All I can say as a, as a final footnote to this topic is, if you're not already familiar with the streaming game in combat sports, uh, try to freshen up as quickly as you can because that's where everything is going. And if you want to continue to follow combat sports, 
that's really unfortunately in this country the only way you're going to be able to do that unless you really want to go the VPN route or unless you really want to move outside of the United States. That's the only way. So, yeah. Uh, hey, more positive stuff. Did you see? I know we didn't put the, uh, I didn't know. I, I know we didn't have a graphic for the Wood Warrington fight. Did you see that massive knockout? I did. I did. That you was... want to talk about something positive DAZN did over the weekend? I, I guess, I, I guess you could say that that fight over delivered. Did, did oh my it, God. Did that it was... not? That was fantastic. It's unfortunate it didn't get marketed as much as UFC Vegas 80 or Bellator 300, but just the knockout alone, you know, and the social media rounds that that knockout's getting, I guess, makes up for it somewhat. Oh, for sure. And I guess maybe it sucks the crazy people back into resubscribing to DAZN and people already canceled it because DAZN is going to be used this weekend for another... I guess you want to call it Misfit Celebrity Boxing Card, which we'll see Logan Paul finally competing against Dylan Dennis and KSI. Finally, hey, Tommy Fury, as Tom, you, you have already said it, you are not going to be watching this event. But Hell no. In your, in, 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 in your opinion, are, are these fights going to be flops? Is there going to be any funny business in either of these two fights? Is it? Anything weird going to happen in either of these two fights? What do you realistically see in both of these fights that people should be expecting? My hope, my hope, Zan, is this fight flops as hard as Ric Flair does in the ring. And because... who are, and who are, and who are you picking in both fights? I, I'm going with Logan Paul and Tommy Fury as as they as they should win, but I don't I don't I don't know. What do you what do you think? Can I just predict for the ring to explode before any fights happen? Oh wow, that's uh, <laughs> that's harsh. <laughs> um, um, no, I, I, I don't know, Zan. First of all, I don't know how you can't pick Logan Paul when Dylan Danis hasn't fought in any combat sports since 2019. Tom, do you realistically think this fight is actually going to happen on Saturday, or? I didn't think it was going to because of all the drama and all the litigation. And I'm still holding my breath that maybe this fight actually isn't going to happen because of all this uh, stupid litigation. But could you, it, could, it, could, it, you, could you imagine if this fight gets canceled on Friday night? I I just that would be ridiculous. It wouldn't be the it. It wouldn't surprise me, but it would be absolutely ridiculous, especially when you consider Zan. Didn't Dylan Dennis go from like 330,000 like followers to like a million in a short time because of this fight? Yep, he did. So, I mean, it would be utterly ridiculous. I'm sure I'm sh I'm certain I'm sure certain people would be happy, but you know, it would be ridiculous if it get canceled if it gets canceled the night before. And I don't know if the night before is going to be, you know, it's not going to be enough time to get, because I know Logan said that there was a replacement opponent on hand. Yeah, and I don't know who that replacement opponent is. I think it was the guy, his name slips my mind, Sam. He was supposed to fight Logan. I think it was supposed to be at the Garden, and it got canceled the week of because of weight issues. Oh, that's right. And now I can't think of who it is. That's right. You're, you, yeah, you're, you're on to something there. And as far as the main event goes, I'll, I'll look up the guy's name in just a second. Okay. Uh, as far as the KSI Fury fight goes, 
Uh, I'm with you. Uh, it would have to be, it would have to be Tommy Fury in my mind. Not that KSI is bad or anything like that, but that Tommy Fury is the legitimate boxer. And he, if I'm not mistaken, has a win over one of the Pauls in Jake Paul. So I would That's assume right. that Tommy Fury also by blood related to the, you know, heavyweight champion of the world who is going to be fighting for an undisputed title in Tyson Fury. So I got to go with, I got to go with Tommy in this one. Yeah. Is that a, is that an eight round fight from what I remember? I want to say it is an eight round fight. Yeah. Cause I was going to pick Tommy Fury to win in four to win, to, to, and to win by knockout, it's not gonna. It's not gonna be close. I think. Actually, go ahead. Actually, I think I might be mistaken. The fight that I was thinking about, I think that was a yeah, that was Hasim Rahman Jr. That was Jake Paul's fight, not Tommy Fury. But I do remember Logan bringing Hasim Rahman's name up, if I remember correctly. That's that's right. Anyway, as I was saying, I think KSI is gonna run the whole fight, and I think Fury's gonna. Him with something. What do you what do you think? I think KSI will do a lot of you know moving around the ring, but I think Tommy Fury will cut the ring off at certain points. I don't know if it's gonna be a finish, but I think it'll just drag to a one-sided decision. And I think the Paul Danis fight's also gonna drag to a one-sided decision in Paul's favor. Okay, so you're picking both of these to go the distance. I'm picking Paul versus Danis to go the distance, but I would have one a bit more fun with Fury and KSI and say that this ends in some sort of a finish. So by the Fair way, enough. by the way, over under over under a hundred thousand TV pay-per-view buys for, for this for this event. What do you what do you what do you think? Because you can buy it on your on your cable operator. I just checked the other day. You don't have to exclusively stream it. You can buy I could it. See it. As much as I, you know, I'm not the fan biggest fan of these guys, I could see it being over. Be just because of the appeal to everything, Paul Danis on social media has been going nuts. Paul, obviously, a crossover mainstream star, KSI crossover mainstream star. Tommy Fury had the win over Jake Paul previously. I, I could see it, even though it's during the day in the United States, you can still see it. Yes, okay, I could definitely see. Uh, let's move on by the way to the other uh card that takes place this weekend UFC Vegas 81. So, the real main event. To be glad. Yeah, the real main event in the Apex, Sadiq Youssef versus Edson Barboza. Yeah, this is a high action fight, a potential fight of the night candidate, a potential best fight at the UFC Apex in 2023. If we want to give it that award, I know that it's not really a war, an award. I just made it up on the spot, but I think Edson Barboza's experience is going to trump Sadiq Yusuf. Yusuf, and I actually think Edson Barboza gets it done with a body kick in the third round. In Introduces Yusuf in what will be a very, very action-packed back and forth striking fest where the first person to fall is going to be the first person to lose. What do you what do you think? Yeah, I agree with you. I think this is going to be absolute striking fest. Uh, I mean, his Sadiq Yusuf's biggest win so far is in Alex Caceres and Andre Feely. Uh, I guess you can go with Shaman Marais if you want to, but he's fought Arnold Allen. That didn't go his way. I think you're right. I think uh, Edson Barboza just has too much experience. I think this will be a fun brawl, potential fight at night, but I think Barboza is going to catch him with something around the third round or so. I'm going to go Barboza, TKO in the third. Okay, so we're both in unison and on that. So don't forget UFC Vegas 81 is this weekend. And Tom, if I remember correctly, this is exclusive to ESPN Plus. Is that correct? Correct. Okay. 
All right. Let's uh, briefly, Zan, talk about some of the action as we're getting ready to close out here. That happened this past weekend. Obviously, Bellator 300 took place. And Zan, I mean, before we get into the fights, just bad. Really disappointing. Yeah, this is this was disappointing on so many levels, considering how highly anticipated Bellator 300 was. And when you see half of the comments and several Instagram posts, either of people that were at the event or just on the Bellator Instagram page themselves, and they and I'm not trying to rip the promotion here, they're only doing the best that they possibly can. And I know that firsthand because I've been to several events now. Um, to, to see the majority of Instagram comments that I've seen say that you know, Bellator didn't promote this event or Bellator 300 was just okay is a real concern considering that Bellator does consider themselves the number two promotion in the world. And it seems to me like there's a clear gap between number one and number two. Tom, did you see some similar feelings from the fans and what were your overall thoughts on the way Bellator 300 was promoted as a whole? What, what do you, what do you think? I did see some concerns and Bellator, I mean, they promoted it a little more than they, normally promote other Bellators, and for good reason, because you had a bunch of title fights going in. I mean, it didn't help that earlier in the week you lost Bader Vassell too because of illness, and then Alima Lay McFarlane. But that one, that's not on them. That's no. on Alima Lay McFarlane. How can you have three attempts to make weight, miss all three times, and in between your second and third, it go up in weight? Like, it, it, makes, no, it makes no sense to me, but that's on Alima Lay. Yeah, and from a professionalism standpoint, that's the last thing you want to do heading into a title fight, which could honestly be a career turner shirt if it isn't already. Yeah, absolutely. But in terms of marketing, Zan, I mean, that's just been a problem that's plagued Bellator throughout, at least, at the very least, Zan, the, I would say, zone since the zone era, where they just have yeah. not marketed themselves well. Same. You could even go back to the CBS Sports Network era too. Or well, that I, well, the zone was before that. They went to the zone, I think, late eighteen or early nineteen. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you could even go back to the Spike TV era and say the same thing too. Yeah. So it's it's been it has unfortunately been a big disappointment with Bellator, and you know it's times like these that I'm kind of not surprised that the PFL is supposedly swooping in. Yeah, for sure. About the about the fights, though, what did you think of Usman Nurmagomedov's performance? It didn't really seem like Brett Primus was able to get off first and do much of anything. Do you think realistically, if he's not the best lightweight in the world, do you think Usman Nurmagomedov is the clear number two best lightweight in all of MMA? What did you think of his performance? Okay, first of all, and it's not of his fault. It's not of Usman Nurmagomedov's fault, but that fight, Sam, you know, if I have any tr any troubles trying to go to sleep when it comes to dealing with work and such, I'll just turn that fight on because it was, in my opinion, pretty boring. Not on his fault, though. I think right because outclassed. Right, because Usman Nurmagomedov did what Usman Nurmagomedov does, and his fighting style isn't the most entertaining. But that's what you're going to get sometimes. Right, and and I think San. And this is, I guess, another problem with Belter. And no disrespect to Brent Primus, but I think Brent Primus got that win in Madison Square Garden against Chandler to win the lightweight title. And ever since then, Bellator has been pushing him as one of their top lightweights. And, I mean, by stretch, he kind of is, but, you know, he's not a main event player, if you know what I mean. No, 
No, he isn't. If you and if you don't have Usman or Magomedov on the other side, I can almost guarantee you that Bre and Freemans would have not have been a main event against any other lightweight in oh, that division. Zan. Zan, if this was not a lightweight Grand Prix fight, then I would have said Cyborg versus Cat needed to main events if Bader versus Vassell was off. Right. Exactly. Because this is not this is not, and you could still have debated that that Bader Vassell before they before that fight ended up getting scrapped, or in our case, in the reality that Kat Zingano challenging Chris Cyborg still should have main evented. For sure. So I guess uh, Usman Nurmagomedov won. So it looks like we're gonna wait and see uh, who he fights in. in like I said last week, Zan, I think it's gonna Usman wins this, which he did. Right. I think it's going to be Usman versus Patricky in the finals, and Usman's going to run all over him. You think? You you think so? I think so. I think this is. I think this tournament is far and away Usman's to lose. And do you think? Do you think Patricky versus uh um Shibley she is going to be competitive, or do you or do you think just an early prediction? We're now like over a month out from the competitive. Competitive, Zan, but I think regardless of who comes out of that fight on top, I think Usman's just Usman Nurmagomedov's just on another level. I think I think so too. So, do, so I guess the follow up to that would be: Could you see a scenario where somehow some if the UFC scoops it, scoops him up, just considering how talented he is, considering how talented he is, considering the Nurmagomedov name? Oh, absolutely, they scoop him up. Oh yeah. For sure. Absolutely, and if and if they don't, and if and if somehow they don't, and a PFL Bellator merger happens, PFL will scoop them up too. Yeah, and they're gonna they're gonna market him as one of their biggest stars, which would actually help, which would actually help the PFL in the long run, considering oh, the, Zan, the I, stars. Zan, I could totally see a scenario where Usman wins this tournament, goes over to the PFL, and fights in their lightweight season one year, wins that. And then either becomes a pay per view, uh, pay per view super fight star, or goes over to the UFC and becomes a star over there. Very close. And so the next few years could be the Uzman Nurmagomedov era. And for the those who have not seen him fight, he is one dominant player in that 155 division and someone who you just simply don't mess with at all. So, no. yeah. All right. Uh, speaking of, let's talk about the other fights. Chris Cyborg. It wasn't much of a fight. Cyborg just completely, you know, she complete. Anytime Zingano tried to get something going, Cyborg had the power, the counter shots to just shut her down. And then there, and then one of them just proved to end up being too much. It was an easy first round finish. For sure. So are you ready to say that Chris Cyborg is the greatest female fighter ever? Or are you still taking Amanda Nunes? I still say Amanda Nunes, but with Nunes out of the picture, Cyborg is number one pound for pound right now. For sure. So, do you think this Kaylee Harrison fight is a possibility now again, or no? What do you if, if the merger talks are true, if the merger talks end up going to fruition, absolutely, it's still a possibility. Okay. But yeah, this fight certainly was a very easy, easy. Although, win. although Zan, she did kind of tease retirement a little bit. So, Sarah Wait, McCann. I thought I, I thought she was going to fight Liam McCourt next. She is going to fight Liam McCourt next, but if you heard her comments in the post fight, she also mentioned having a last fight over in Japan, which could that Liam McCourt fight end up being? Which I don't know if that's going to be if the if Bellator ends up going either if Bellator goes under or if they go under PFL control. Yeah, that's that's definitely interesting. If you, if you were to guess, what do you think is more likely? 
I I would think I would think the Cyborg Harrison fight would be a better you, you know the Cyborg Harrison fight regardless has to happen considering the the circumstances with those two. Cyborg Harrison in PFL or Cyborg Harrison in this new version of Bellator? What do you what do you think? Hmm. Again, I guess that depends on how they're going to do the contracts with everything and how PFL is going to run Bellator. Good point. But I guess I would say maybe PFL because they're they would be the parent company and Harrison is PFL. But and but remember, Bellator is also more open to the interpromotional idea than say the UFC. Although PFL Bellator, if they're under the same umbrella, is it really interpromotional? Good. I mean, so I guess no, no matter what happens, whoever the cyborg fights next, it's going to be a big deal because you either have the retirement fight with McCourt or, or you'll have the highly anticipated grudge match between uh, she and uh, and uh, Kayla Harrison. So, yeah. All right. Uh, also, Liz Carmouche, speaking of, we talked about Lima Lay McFarlane. So what they did was the other time that happened with Mark with Carmouche and that she has no challenger to take the to take the title from her but if she lost the title would have been vacant which it still baffles me rather than just doing the three round non-title fight but doesn't matter Carmouche ends up winning the fight in the fifth round just completely injures uh McFarlane's leg but yeah it, it still baffles me that Bellator went in that direction yeah same here and it just wasn't the it is fight ever so to see it end the I think that was kind of fitting considering what happened earlier in the week. So yeah. Um, but yeah, that's why I say, that's why I say Bellator just this wasn't a good card. And it was, those were the only three fights because they were all title fights on the main card at least. That's right. I guess a positive is that they did do the pride style entrances at the beginning of the at the at the beginning of the show time broadcast, which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah, and no, the, and, the, and the and the and the gloves too were very were very cool. Yeah, uh, at least they didn't have the golden mat like the UFC did for 200. <laughs> yeah, thank, thank goodness, right? Uh, speaking of the UFC, one last thing here. Uh, probably the fight that topped all three of those fights. How the hell did Bobby Green knock out Grant Daunton in 33 seconds? It still baffles me. Because MMA going to MMA, that's why. And Bobby Green, I told you this before the show, Zan. I mean, Bobby Green, veteran talent, great talent, fun guy. You know, but Grant Dawson, who was on a massive winning streak, was unbeaten in the UFC. I think his only loss came before the UFC. Uh, just, you know, considering the talent he and the track that he was on, still a bad loss for Grant Dawson. Yeah, definitely a bad loss to someone that was definitely further down in his competition. But I guess, you know, well, Bobby Green still wants to remain a player, you know, as as, as a contender in the UFC, you know. Well, that's one of those wins where you beat a young up and comer and kind of see, you know, what happens in the future. You know, I think if Bobby Green can take advantage of this momentum, 2024 could be a big year for him. Yeah, absolutely. All right. That's going to do it for us then. Next week for episode 57, it's all about UFC 294 in Abu Dhabi. Yeah, we've been looking forward to this rematch for a year and it's and we almost hear Islam Makhachev versus Charles Oliveira Act 2 for the UFC lightweight title in the same building in which Islam Makhachev became the new UFC lightweight champion. So it should be a lot of fun to preview that and so much more on the MMA Outsiders. Before we get out of here, 
Make sure to like and subscribe. Be sure to follow the Empty the Bench Podcast Network across social media at ETB, at ETB Network. Follow the MMA Outsiders across social media at MMA Outsiders ETB. Again, reintroducing myself. My name is Ian Bando. I'm a staff writer for BeachAPen.com and the newest for the team over at MMA Knockout and, of course, a member of the Bellator Rankings Panel. And then, of course, that's Tom Albano to my left. You can find his work over at Fanside and MMA. And, of course, all the fantastic fight recap work that he does over at the PFL website. So that's going to do it for another edition of the MMA Outsiders. Enjoy the fights. B. Joe Piper who picked up a massive win over the weekend. And, of course, we just, we just want to remind you one last time that the next several months are going to be very, very big in the combat sports world. So stay tuned for all. All the exciting stuff that we have coming up and so much more. We could not do any of this without you. So again, a major thank you goes out to all of our, our listeners, all of our viewers, and all, all of our subscribers that watch this show religiously because we love doing it and we really could not do it without all of you. So thank you again for tuning in. Thanks to all of you. Uh, for Zan, I'm Tom. We'll see you next week. Take care, everyone. Take care.